How are you? I'm doing well, Craig. You and Wonderful I e event. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming. You and I have known each other for quite a few years. 20 plus. Uh, but you have been in this industry from for the last couple of decades. Yep. Doing Wall Street work. and Yeah, I spent 28 years on Wall Street covering transportation. I saw John Larkin here earlier. He and I are the gray beards of uh, Wall Street. That career was from 88 through uh, 2016. John's literally a gray beard. I'm working on fighting that trend. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom, you, you heard a lot this morning. Uh, Peter Zion came <laughs> with some really, some have said dark, but provocative yeah. sort of thoughts. One of the things he talked about was persistent inflation. Right. I know you study a lot about the economy, have a real perspective on sort of what has taken place for the last couple of decades. What are your thoughts? Well, I think inflation is going to perform worse than uh, what, the consensus view is. So whatever the consensus view, I think the Fed will be able to bend the inflation curve over the next four or five quarters, maybe down to five or six percent. I thought Peter's comments about nine to 15 percent inflation were pretty interesting. Essentially, there's two types of inflation, Craig. There's one that's sort of bottleneck related. And I think Peter addressed that very thoughtfully, some of the supply issues that exist in a number of industries. But then the real cause of inflation is a debasement or a destruction in a currency's purchasing power. And I, I don't share the same view that 9 to 15 for the next I forgot, decade. I, that's the beauty of having opinions, but I do believe fl inflation is going to be more of a problem. I think interest rates are going higher than what the consensus view is. And if you look at the treasury market, the treasury protected securities, uh, there's a thing called TIPS, so it's inflation protected. They're already 10%, whereas the traditional treasury instruments, three-month treasury bill, 10-year, 30-year, they're all right around 4%. So the market is saying inflation is is more of a persistent problem for the next couple of years, for sure. So equity markets rallied in October. Right. Dow had its best year, I think, in 50 years or something like yep. that. Is that, is that just a uh, – uh, did the market misread the Federal Reserve in that? Well, the, the consensus view right now is that uh, the Fed funds rate is going to end up around 4 to 4.5%. Uh, currently, it's three to three and a quarter, although this week, I believe uh, it's probably going to go up another 75 bips. I have a hard time believing that the Fed funds rate will not be at least 6%. You could argue it should be 10% right now. If inflation, the so-called headline number is 8%, well, that's 8% gets you zero return, essentially. So every uh, fixed income instrument needs to give an inflation-adjusted return. So maybe that's another 1% to 2% above the inflation rate. So interest rates are way below where they need to be. I hate to say that, but um, I think the consensus view on interest rates is too optimistic. Uh, I'm no longer an equity market. My personal opinion is that this was a bit of a head fake rally in the stock market. Let's talk a little bit about the freight market. Yep. It's been obviously a market that's over the past couple of years sort of prone to these always traditionally these boom bust cycles. But last couple of years, we had a, a great robust freight market. Right. This year, you know, we I was very outspoken about concerns about what was happening, potentially right. uh, set to happen and happening in the freight market. Um, 
conversation about a freight recession has been very polarizing. What is your view on the market? I've been very negative since late last year. My president, Chad Eichelberger, he and I and the rest of the management team at Reliance, we talk about freight trends a lot. So the things that drove last year, early this year, and the second half of 2020, they were all evaporating. So you had unprecedented stimulus, particularly at the individual level. Uh, you had... Um, uh, this huge inventory replenishment party, wrong inventories, wrong places, the supply chain was messed up. Uh, you had extended unemployment benefits that were expiring in most states at the end of last year. So, you know, the juice was kind of going away. And uh, at the same time, starting early this year, wages began to lag inflation. So all of the recipes, the, the sugar high of last year was going away and purchasing power was beginning to be eroded. And so it was almost inevitable that the freight market was going to deteriorate. And so I shared that view. I didn't use the term bloodbath like you did. And that probably added a little bit to the polarization. But all of the elements were in place. It's just it's taken a little bit longer for the evidence of that and for larger enterprise carriers to finally use the four-letter word slow um, because there was so much excess. But that's gone now, and now we have to deal with a new reality. And I think it's going to be very difficult. So, Tom, how, when does it, when do we get to the bottom? Are we, first of all, are we at a bottom right now? I, I don't think we're at a bottom. I so, mean, how, how much further does it, let's talk a little bit about the demand cycle for yep. a second versus talking about capacity, because I think there are ultimately separate things yep. we have to contend with. But in the demand side of the equation, where, when do you think the market could potentially stabilize? I think the first six months of next year are going to be a winter of discontent relative to freight. Um, I, I would possibly look for stabilization maybe around Labor Day of next year. So you're nine months into yep. the year before yep. the freight market deterioration in volume stabilized. Correct. So it's going to be brutal nine months. I, I think it's going to be very, very challenging. Um, so for example, let's talk about housing. Existing home sales for the better part of the last year were off three to six percent most months year over year. And then all of a sudden in July, August, and September, they dropped 20 percent. September was off 24 percent Think about all of the freight that goes involved. Now, that's existing home sales. So you may be thinking about new flooring, carpeting, appliances, patio, furniture, whatever. But we're also starting to see uh, new housing starts begin to roll over. So uh, we haven't seen the bottom yet. Uh, mortgage rates are right around 7% for the 30-year. We're probably going to end up at 9 to 10% for mortgage rates. the Fed's going to continue to I do. Continue to I hide. do. And when do they stop? You said 9 to 10%. Well, the market is assuming that uh, when the Fed funds rate gets to 4 to 4.5%, somewhere right in there, that they're going to pause. And they may pause, but the problem is, is that inflation in some uh, components is still accelerating. Now, the headline number that you all get to read in the Wall Street Journal or here on CNBC has gone from a little over 9% to 8.1%. But... Some of the things that consumers buy regularly, like I looked at the inflation report this morning, things like soup, chicken, um, coffee, they're all up 17 to 20 percent. A couple months ago, when inflation was higher, they were up 10. And you take a look at, um, well, almost every repetitive freight is up 2 to 3x, the headline uh, number. So consumers are feeling it. 
consumers had some latitude when the stimulus went away because the savings rate was at a very high levels. The 50-year average uh, is about 8%, but it's now 3.5%. So consumers have been bringing down their savings. They're running out of ammo. Credit card debt in the most recent quarter jumped at the highest level in uh, 20 years in terms of a percentage growth quarter to quarter. So the consumers are pulling other levers for whatever reason, but that's not going to continue either. So the slowdown, we haven't seen the bottom yet by any means. And what do, we, what do you think of the inventory? Retailers have, have added so much inventory into their right. supply chains. Do you think they have the opportunity or will burn off that inventory over the next year? Or do you think it's a, a situation where the consumer is slowing down so much that it's going to take much longer than otherwise would be? Well, so first of all, when we talk about inventories, it's easy to make a uh, broad sweeping statement. Every industry is a little bit different. So for example, I think the automo uh, automobile industry still has a shortage of inventory. The semiconductor industry still have some issues, although some of the public semi uh, companies have started to make some comments like their vital signs are weakening. That said, um, when you look at like the inventory to sales ratio, so pick a number, it's like $1.42, to every dollar of sales. You know, that that's not that bloated. That should suggest more of a, a normalizing type of number. Um, I, I, I don't think that the inventories, the, the problem with assessing inventories is demand is still vulnerable. So what looks good now, because demand is here, what I've been articulating the last few minutes is demand's still gonna go there. So that will bloat those ratios that people are used to looking at. So Tom, we talked about freight demand. You, you think yep. it's going to take at least through Labor Day before we see called a rebound or at least some bump. Right. There's been a massive amount of capacity build. You guys are the largest uh, insurer agent in trucking, so right. you see it firsthand. A lot of those are small trucking companies. Yep. What are you hearing from the carriers that are out there uh, in terms of what they're seeing or what they're feeling? So uh, just a 20-second commercial. Reliance is an insurance agency, but all we do is trucking and logistics. We have uh, over 8,000 motor carriers we insure. We have customers with around 1,000 trucks, but really our niche, Craig, is uh, 1 to 20 trucks, 1 to 100. So we've seen massive uh, growth in that customer base the last year and a half. We haven't seen a lot of bankruptcies or shutdowns, but what we've seen is an increase in cancellation of policies, and we've seen just the referral pipeline has dried up for our uh, producers. So what would happen is Billy Bob started a freight company. He liked uh, Reliance. And so his cousin started up a freight company. And we, we were living off of a lot of that for a while. And our producers, uh, who are extremely hardworking and knowledgeable, they've had to go out and hustle. They're working harder to make the same money they were making a year ago. So when you think about capacity, because it's a conversation, the, the data is incredibly difficult to get yep. to. You know, people use the FMCSA. We use the FMCSA data as probably the highest proxy of what's right. happening. The problem is the data's lag. It's not very clean. Yep. You know, a lot of other folks have used the Landstar BCO on how many, uh, you know, fleets took freight from Landstar's right. brokerage operation. That shows up 25%. The government days shows a significant yep. uh, run. What are your thoughts in terms of capacity over the past two years? Uh, capacity probably grew 5 to 6%. And the reason is, is, as you know, Craig, you've talked about it, a lot of times there was a shift from a company driver 
to an owner operator who maybe even got his own operating authority. When you look at the driver hiring numbers, and I didn't brush up on this, but uh, the amount of equipment that came into the market, it wasn't 25% more. The number of drivers, I think, was between 6 and 9%. I might be a little bit rusty on that. Those are the two speed governors that suggest uh, outrageous capacity growth probably didn't occur. But this is an industry where plus or minus 3% changes in capacity feel like 15% in other industries. Uh, truckload, for example, over the long term grows slower than GDP. So if capacity goes, grows up three goes up three percent, but truckload shipments are growing half a percent to one percent, that that's big. Same thing when capacity starts to contract. So um, I don't know if I directly answered your question. I think capacity went up way more than we've seen, but probably more like in that six to nine percent. So what happens? You have declining volume. Right. You have more capacity than the market can handle. What is the outlook like for asset-based trucking companies? I think it's going to be, uh, again, the winter of discontent. Um, we've already seen some early indications in the bids. Uh, you know, when I, I was also the CFO of a trucking company at one, one point, so my whole experience is not just uh, Wall Street. And, um, you know, Q4 and Q1 bid seasons are going to be very challenging. Um, I don't necessarily think the shippers are trying to gouge. There's always a few. But I think a lot of them are trying to have partnerships. The volatility in the supply chain really since about 2003 suggests they need to have some longer term relationships. But I mean, when when bids are out there and unsolicited, we're seeing, you know, 15, 20 percent cuts in rates without even aggressive uh, uh, demands from the shipping community. And you're talking specifically contract. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a pretty difficult situation. It is. It is. And I, I think it's, it's hard to, you know, again, there's a lot of averages. Um, there's an old phrase, many a man is drowned in a creek with an average depth of a foot. And they forget to tell you a hundred yards downstream, it's 12 feet. So when we talk about averages, remember there's lots of different types of shippers and lots of different supply chain needs, but it's hard to believe that at a minimum contract rates won't drop 10%, if not 15% next year. So Tom, if, as you talk to small fleet operators, even mid-sized fleet operators yep. that are perhaps more exposed to the cycle, interest rates are going up. They capitalize a lot of this equipment. Yep. They, they borrow money against it. Insurance rates, what are your thoughts on insurance? Insurance has not been as uh, punitive as a lot of people have come to expect. There have been a lot of new uh, entrants into the marketplace the last two to three years. They provided an aggressive uh, underwriting quote to some of the conventional underwriters. And so I, I don't think that's going to be where it is. I think the issues, though, are things like, like you said, the equipment costs are very high. And I don't see the OEMs reducing prices. So 10% increase on tractors next year, maybe more, at a time where your freight rates are dropping 10, 12, 14%. That's, that means margins are going to be squeezed. That means CapEx is ultimately going to get cut at some point. You're talking specifically about the carriers. Yes. So, I mean, the OEMs have said that their order books are at record highs. Yeah. Like production. Is that just big fleets that have maintained those orders that didn't get paid? No, I think it's a lot of small and mid-sized. And, and, you know, you can define fleets different ways. But let's say for the purposes of this room, in the insurance industry, a small fleet is typically above nine trucks. But we'll say in here above 100 trucks. You know, it, I liken it to, you know, you go to a movie 
and you're 20 feet or 20 people back and the two people getting ready to buy a movie ticket, um, they're going to be the ones representing sold out. Well, they change their mind. They go to dinner and the next people decide they've got the stomach flu and the next person gets a call. So the line is so deep that the OEMs don't have to play price concession yet. But there will come a point, perhaps middle part of next year, second half, where even the OEMs have to make some pricing concessions on new equipment, but not initially. So the other two big items that are always sort of concerned, diesel prices, mm-hmm. a lot of conversation about diesel shortages. Yep. What are your thoughts, any perspective on the diesel market? Uh, you know, Making forecasts around uh, fuel prices is a, is a recipe to eat humble pie. And I know we've got lunch coming up, so I'm going to have a different kind of pie. I, I think di- diesel is going to continue to be challenging for the next few years um, until we have some uh, different domestic energy policies. I'll just leave it at that without getting too political. And then labor. Labor, yep. driver specifically, right. is a big concern. Are we going to see an environment where that becomes easier for trucking companies? It will probably become relatively easier. I don't know that it will become easier. I believe the first speaker also talked about some of the demographics uh, there. I think he's spot on. Uh, The next decade's gonna be a challenge. One of the best things, quote unquote, best things about the last two years is, you know, trucking's been talking about a labor challenge for 25, 30 years. for the first time, a lot of the trucking customers finally experienced what trucking companies have had. So there may be a more sympathetic conversation around that. Um, but I think for the most part, that's going to continue to be one of the great challenges into the 2030s. Um, it might be, again, a little bit easier next year vis-a-vis 2021, but not necessarily easy the way we'd like to define easy. So you have headwinds coming. You've headwinds. Declining volume. You have higher cost, you have more capacity in the market. What do you tell a small fleet operator? Uh, Know your costs, know your niches. Uh, Go talk to your best customers, assuming you've got a few customers beyond freight brokerage. Hey, let me handle your uh, more difficult freight. And what, what, do you tell challenging. The, what do you tell the 3PLs? I mean, what, are your, what is your prognosis for the brokerage industry? Well, we've had so many uh, freight brokers come into the marketplace. I think if you're not solutions-oriented, you're going to have a tough time. Uh, you can't just, you know, survive by leading the rate charge down. you got to be solutions-oriented. You think the spot market brokers that we've seen really pop up over the last decade are the ones that are going to be squeezed? They're going to be vulnerable. I mean, l- l- listen, let me go back here, and I'm going to just veer off for a second. So... Like if we go back to the spring, I forget when you wrote your uh, bloodbath uh, commentary. Recession. Yeah, yeah. Well, so why didn't everyone feel that initially? So trucking kind of has these six buckets. The f- most expensive, least efficient is the load board market, and so the load boards obviously provide a very valuable service, but they felt it immediately. And then from there, you go to brokers in the spot market, brokers in contract. Then the OTR asset-based market. Then you've got regional repetitive runs that are almost quasi-dedicated. And then you have dedicated. So what this year's been about is the first uh, uh, pain was felt on the far right of the spectrum, the load boards, and then the brokers. You know, as we finish this year and go into next year, really all six of those buckets are going to have a challenging year. And I hate to say it, and I mean, J.B. Hunt has built a wonderful dedicated business, one of the few distinctive ones, 
because of the trailer types and what they're doing. But a lot of dedicated, apart from them, is fairly generic. It's become a commodity. So that's going to be a pricing battle there unless you're doing something unique like with the trailer types that Hunt does. So is there... Is it fair to say that for everybody in this market, there's going to be a lot of exposure to the economy, but also just fair market balance issues? Yes, absolutely. And no one is really insulated from that, brother. No, no one's insulated. And here's the thing to watch for everyone in the audience. It's going to be industrial production. So I'm old enough. I remember the baseball player, Reggie Jackson. He, uh, When he got to the Yankees, he used this phrase, I'm the straw that stirs the drink. Well, if you think about the world of freight, the straw that stirs the drink and determines whether a year is strong or weak, it's industrial production. So when we look at the S&P 500, CapEx in 2022 is up almost 16%. So call it 2X inflation. That means there's been real money spent on freight. But every survey now is calling for CapEx to be single digit if possibly no growth next year. So let's say CapEx grows for the S&P 500 4% next year, and inflation is six. That means on an inflation-adjusted basis, there's going to be less freight. And every downturn that I've been around has been accompanied by a downturn in industrial production. That's the number one thing to watch for this audience. I expect IP to come under significant pressure companies. See, you had this window where you could raise prices, raise wages, or raise wages um, but that window doesn't last forever. So companies are going to struggle to raise prices. Workers are still going to want a larger than average pay raise. Margins come under pressure. CFOs are going to say CapEx needs to be cut. All of a sudden, there's less freight. So Q1 prognosis? Very challenging. Know your cost. Get ahead of your customers now. Um, if you've got a balance sheet that's stretched, make sure you've got ample liquidity. God, this is a tough group. We've had tough speakers. <laughs> Tom, I'd like to leave it with an optimistic note. Yes. Give us some optimism. Uh, I think 2024 could be the next freight party. Um, listen, if you live in Minnesota, you got to expect snow. If you work in trucking, you got to expect uh, cycles. You know, I had the greatest two-year stretch the industry's seen since deregulation. There's going to be some sort of a cleansing. One positive is the industry did not overbuy this cycle with tractors and trailers because of the parts shortages. So unlike every cycle before, that's a positive. And so there's probably already some cleansing because maintenance costs are killing some fleets right now. We went through that at Celadon. Um, but uh, there will be another party. And I, I think the market will be somewhat encouraging after Labor Day next year, and it will give indications that we're heading towards the next upturn in 2024. No money back guarantees though, folks. Well, Tom Albrecht, appreciate it, Tom. Thank you so much for your time. We have, Greg, oh, thank Next you. time we'll have a lot more to talk about. So. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.